Welcome to CFIR Ministries with James Myers. Today in our second of a five-part series regarding salvation, James discusses Christ as our shepherd. You can find out more about our ministry by visiting us at cfire.org, or you can view James's latest videos on YouTube at CFIR Ministries. We hope this message serves to strengthen and build up the church. Okay, so again, we're going to start at Jeremiah, uh, um, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, and read till 31. Okay. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture. And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold, and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will, feed my, I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong, and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats, is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture, and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them, and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them in the, in the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land. They shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations. Nor shall beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. He who has ears to hear the word of God, let him hear it. Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you for your testimony. We thank you for your truth. We ask that you give us your spirit of wisdom and your understanding and your sight and your insight. See what you're, you have for this day. As we consider Christ our good shepherd, I ask that you... Fill our minds and our hearts with this testimony so that we might look to our Savior as our good shepherd, as our faithful shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, among whom we are of. Father, rain down your spirit. Be with us now and forever. It's in your Son's name we ask. Amen. Okay, very briefly, before we get into this section, we are going to fairly briefly look at a few sections. As I mentioned uh, last week, what I wanted to what I wanted to do was consider some Old Testament passages looking forward to the coming of Christ. Now, we're going to consider Christ as our good shepherd today. So, one just slight, brief um, introduction into this regarding shepherds. They were very, the, it was a very popular occupation. I mean, there were shepherds all over the place, especially in particular the Near East or, or Palestine. And there were even these 
idolatrous gods, you know, in the Near East that were referred to as shepherds, sort of, mostly the kings. So in the Near East, they would they would have some of this. Some of their Mesopotamian gods. This Marduk is is one who's who's considered who's called a shepherd. In Egypt, Amon-Ra and uh, Osiris are both referred to as shepherds, and their pharaohs are referred to as shepherds. Now, before we go into the Greek and Roman usage of this language, I wanna we need to recognize that first of all, it shouldn't be shocking that. Satan tries to ape the things of God. In other words, he tries to reflect them unfaithfully in fallen ways. And how this would really be seen, in regard, so Osiris, one of Egypt's gods, was god of fertility and of the resurrection of the dead, which was only given to the pharaohs. So the people would always pray really for the good of, the, of their ruler, of the pharaoh. And when they're considered shepherds, it's really because they're great and the sheep are dumb. Okay, sheep are, sheep are simple animals, okay? They're, and, and when they get lost, we've talked about, you know, they just kind of roam around for a while until they get tired of roaming around. And then they just pop down and make this really pathetic bleating sound until they're until they're found but we're going to look at that in a completely different context as it relates to us however so that's important to kind of recognize now in the greek greek and and roman perspective homer used this um throughout his his writings he refers to one of the gods as a shepherd plato referred to in his uh, republic he considered justice he, he kind of used the metaphor of shepherd and sheep as it relates to justice the rulers have to be faithful faithful shepherds in to their flocks as we've seen even paul had discussed but again in a in a fairly unique way for the time um, but completely different context and this is after the old testament anyway you know this is about 300 bc uh, when Plato's around. So he uses it. Aristotle also had, had, had said something to this effect that the rulers are shepherds over the people. However, Aristotle also demeaned the occupation of shepherds. That basically, they're lazy. They don't really have to do anything. They just kind of sit around and follow their flocks from time to time. But other than that, they're just insolent and just kind of lazy men okay so there are these occasions you know outside of the bible where gods are referred to as shepherds and the rulers are referred to as shepherds what we are going to see is that the bible mentions shepherds in a completely different way now the first shepherd we come across in the bible is abel abel remember um, the uh, cain was you know, he planted, you know, he was a planter. What is that called? A horticulturist? Basically a husbandsman. And, but uh, Abel tended to the flocks. And he chose the fattest sheep to offer to God and Cain the best of his fruits. And his was rejected and Abel's was accepted. Okay, because it needed to be a blood sacrifice, the choice of a blood sacrifice. Abraham was rich with many flocks. Isaac was also rich with many flocks. Jacob served his uncle Laban, remember, with many, many flocks. Joseph, which is important here, Joseph was a shepherd along with all of his, his brothers. Okay. Job also had about 7,000 sheep. And then, after, at the end of Job, after we considered what God's response to him was, he did bless Job and he has twice the number of all these different things. God blesses him, and so he has 14,000 sheep at that time. And David, as we've discussed, was a shepherd. Amos was also a shepherd. We, we briefly see in some of his prophecies. However, so Joseph, just like David, was a shepherd who became a prince. Ultimately, David became a king, but he was a shepherd who became the king. Okay. Now, what this is pointing forward to, what we're going to consider today, is Christ as shepherd as one of many ways that Christ is depicted. We'll also consider, well, these are my ideas that are subject to change, okay? <laughs> as, as Messiah or warrior. Also, just so you know, that term Messiah 
is you anytime you you see in the old testament the lord's anointed that's literally messiah if you read it in the hebrew it's truly saying messiah so david was a messiah uh, saul was a messiah kind of a thing but they're all looking forward to the messiah it's just important though that you recognize that that, that it's a title of the lord's anointing ultimately christ is the anointed one okay we'll also see him as king and we'll also see him as prophet and we'll consider somewhat briefly he as high priest our great high priest because when we just before we get to christmas i'm going to give you a little spoiler here but we'll we'll make it work anyway we are going to see when in the birth narrative we see the angels coming to the shepherds we see thr- three wise men we see a terrible king and we see high priests all of these are at are are there at the time of Christ's birth when they go and and dedicate uh, Jesus at the temple it had to be 8 days after his birth there's a man there who who is who prophesies there's also a woman there who prophesies over him so there are prophets there are kings there are shepherds there are priests all of these are around at Christ's coming so today we are going to consider Christ as shepherd now the chapter that we read in Ezekiel just just you know at the beginning of this just before the portion that we read God is rebuking the shepherds who are unfaithful shepherd shepherds basically they're eating all the stuff and they're not caring for the sheep so he condemns them okay now within the narrative that we did discuss or that we did read and this is going to be key as we as we consider what Christ himself said God says, I will, I'm going to judge between sheep and sheep. Okay, here's a flock. Okay, I already condemned you, you, you shepherds. Now, okay, now here's a flock. Some of the flock are like being bullies to the rest of the flock. They're eating all the stuff. They're trampling down the pastures. You know, they eat of the good of the land, and then they trample it down and leave that for the rest of the flock. They trample down the waters and everything and leave that for the rest of the flock. And God says, I will judge between sheep and sheep. In other words, I will judge, and it says, I will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Remember, Christ will also judge the righteous. That's not with the righteous, as we'll see, Christ says, I will divide the sheep and the goats. Okay, the goats will go on my left hand into eternal fire. The sheep will go on my right hand into eternal life. Okay, that's, that's my version of it. But we'll read what Christ himself said, so don't worry about it. <laughs> However, so it's important to recognize that God is saying, I am their shepherd. Right now, this is what I'm trying to emphasize. First of all, I am their shepherd. I am their faithful shepherd. Not the way that those these other fallen men and women have seen and, and considered their, their, their gods as shepherds or their kings as shepherds. When, when, when God, when uh, Satan, I'm sorry, when David is convicted by, by Nathan, God comforts him and says, I have, called, I have called you from the sheepfold to shepherd my people Israel. You were a faithful shepherd willing to lay down your life all the time. You fought a bear, you fought a lion, you fought Goliath. You're prepared to lay down your life for your sheep. Continue to shepherd Israel. Just like what you were doing when I called you, you know, continue to manifest that same faithfulness for my flock. Ultimately, the shepherd, when, remember when we talked about what, when Paul was, was talking to those elders, he's, he's telling them to faithfully tend to the flocks. The minister is, is a shepherd of sorts. He's not a hireling, but he is the shepherd under the good shepherd. Okay, again, Christ gave, his, gave himself over for us. He came in the form of a slave. So any minister, any shepherd of God's word must be a servant. Okay, so it's not this grandiose thing of a ruler like all these other, you know, in the Greek or Roman perspective, in the Egyptian perspective, in the Mesopotamian perspective, in the Near Eastern perspective, and any of these fallen perspectives. That is not the way the, the Bible discusses and mentions and discloses what a shepherd should be. Okay, God is the faithful shepherd and he is seeking out his flock. Okay, and that's what he says even in here. That I've scattered the sheep and I'm going to bring them to myself okay and then ultimately i'm going to judge between sheep and sheep okay 
The next uh, next one I want to look at is Jeremiah 31, 10 through, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 31, 10 through 14. It must be this one, yes. And this is about um, God is our shepherd and protector. So again, there are many, there are many different thing, jobs of a shepherd. One is to feed them, one is to tend to them and to take care of them and to protect them, okay? Make sure they're not lost. That's why Christ says, not one of the ones you have given me I have lost except for the son of perdition. I have not lost one. He is the faithful, mighty shepherd who, who because of what he did, because he laid down his life, he is he has purchased, essentially, all of his flock. Not one will be lost. So Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 10 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them, and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. So hear the word of the Lord, O, o, o nations, everybody, listen up, and declare it into the isles afar off, which is what Christ said. Remember, tarry in Jerusalem. When the Spirit comes, go out to all Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That starts in the Old Testament. God is already saying, declare it to the isles far off. He who scattered Israel, which is God, will gather him. Remember the diaspora, or the diaspora. Remember, we've discussed that. Is everything fine? Okay. Um, okay, so he scattered them and he's going to bring them back as, as a shepherd and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. Again, he has purchased Jacob. Jacob, Israel, we, Christians, the people of God, are his. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. This is the purpose. This is what the flock does. Okay, We are not just dumb animals meant to just fall around and bleat as we need be or whatever. We are called to come and sing to him. We are the faithful of the flock, the lean sheep who know the faithfulness of their shepherd and will only follow him. And we are rich thereby. And we, in an abundance we praise him and we sing his glory to without end. And that's what it's saying. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Lest we think that I'm going to forget about Psalm 23, we will conclude with Psalm 23. But let's remember, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. It's, it's, it's kind of a dual imagery here, okay? One is the sheep are all coming streaming, like a stream. But ultimately, they are next to still waters, the streams of still waters, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and of the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. No more at all. There will be no tears, no suffering. Ultimate peace, peace beyond your wildest imagination or your most peaceful imagination. Eternal peace, eternal comfort, and eternal presence with God. And again, we've mentioned, we, in this world, in this world, we see wolves, we see antichrists, we see Goliaths surrounding us. But we are ultimately within the sheepfold with our faithful good shepherd. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them. This is talking, ultimately, more specifically in the historical context, this is talking about when Israel comes back from captivity. Remember Jeremiah's preaching that, that Babylon is going to take them. And ultimately what he's talking about is after God uses these prophecies 
looking for again they have they have a dual fulfillment ultimately they they happen within the the historical narrative to the extent that they do they don't always ultimately some of them are literally just pointing to the coming of the messiah but this one it has a dual um, fulfillment one is when they came back from the exile i'll turn their morning morning to joy the people of god suffer suffer because of the world okay because in the goodness of god in the goodness of God, when we, when we recognize our, she, our shepherd and our good shepherd and recognize his righteousness, then we see the wolves around us and we see all of the enemies trying to press in the gates. The, the saints of God have always been, been laid low, ultimately crying out for the people of God, ultimately crying out for the justice of God, ultimately crying out for the peace of God. But all of that, none of that is fulfilled, again, this side of the Jordan. So the people of God truly suffer. They mourn for, God, for God's ultimate and, and final deliverance. This is, this is a hard world. It's a difficult world. It's a dark, mean world. Okay? And the people of God especially suffer that because we are outside of the darkness and we see it for what it is. The people still inside the darkness will bemoan the darkness, but they don't see the light out of the darkness. The people of God do, which only increase their mourning. It increases their struggle. It increases their strife. Because ultimately, they look forward to the day of Christ. Okay? So again, I do not promise you any perfect peace in this life. I, don't, I have no words of promise of of great affluence and great riches upon riches. This name it and claim it nonsense is not biblical. Okay? The people of God suffer. We have seen that. We have seen that over and over and over again. Not just the rulers, but the people. And they tend to cry out to all these other gods. And then God rebukes them and brings them back to himself. So sometimes it's chastening. Sometimes it's, it's refining. Sometimes it's just suffering in the good flock in a terrible world, okay? But God, God is ultimately faithful, and our good shepherd takes us along the narrow path. He is the door, as we'll see. But, okay, so that's Jeremiah 31, 8. We can't spend too much time here, okay? Because ultimately, what we really want to consider is what Christ himself said. Isaiah, all of chapter, all of chapter 53, and we've read this before, but I want to briefly kind of talk about a little bit more about this. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he, has done, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he before the sin and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors 
Again, what Christ will say is that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. This is Isaiah prophesying about this. Many, There is no double, dual fulfillment of this, okay? The fulfillment happened once, once upon Christ. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, for our peace, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. This part is key. All we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our roaming, all of our turning away, all of that has been laid upon Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. We've seen that in his trial. He, he wouldn't defend himself. He didn't say anything. And he was, le- he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He is the lamb of God. But he, So there, see the imagery here. First of all, we are sheep. And all we, like, all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So, the, again, the imagery, he, 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 the, well, Isaiah, ultimately inspired by God, is saying, there is one kind of sheep, all right? one kind of sheep that go all over the place, just like every other sheep, gone astray, gone his own way. But God has has put all of that our iniquities upon Christ, the Lamb of God. So our good shepherd is ultimately the Lamb of God. Okay, so so he takes our stead. Okay, he's not only again so unlike any other usage of shepherd. He not only understands us as a shepherd, he understands us as sheep. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and sweating out drops of blood, he's, he's imploring God, please, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That, that's not like us. That's not like us. We either say, please take this away, or else I'm just going to take it away and ask for your forgiveness. Christ's purpose in his life, his whole mission was to do the will of his Father, and he did it faithfully. He is, again, not only our good shepherd, but he is our lamb. He is the great sheep, our example, as it were, but ultimately who took our place. By his stripes we are healed. He bruised him for his sake, for God's sake, ultimately, to bring his flock to himself. All those, all those passages, we, or those passages we just considered, are pointing forward to the bruising of the servant of God, of the Lamb of God, to bring the flock to hit the pastures of God. So that's what this is saying. Now, what we're really going to discuss even more is John chapter 10, verses 1 through uh, 30. Now. Let, let's actually go a little bit before this. Let me set this up a little bit. Um, let's start at chapter 9, verse, uh, um, verse 35. So this, uh, uh, Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and the, his disciples find a blind man. You know, and, and they ask Jesus, Jesus, who sinned? His parents or this man's sin that he was born blind? And Jesus says, you know, he doesn't say this again. I'm going to paraphrase, but fools, fools! Why do you continue to think this? You've been around me for this time, for this long. There's no karma, okay? There's no such thing as karma. This man was born blind, that the mighty works of God can be can be shown. Ultimately, this man was born blind for this time, for this specific time. The Messiah has come, and God has made it this way for this testimony to be recorded in John's Gospel, and so. The Christ spits on the ground. He takes some of that dirt, puts it on the man's eye, and he tells him to go work, to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he does. 
And and then he's able to see, and all the people start, all the people notice, and they're like, wasn't this guy blind? Wasn't he the one born blind? And some of them are saying that can't be him, and he and he confesses, no, it, no, it is me. And word gets around, and they go to the Pharisees and 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 mention, hey, a guy was healed uh, from his blindness. It's on the Sabbath, so you know the Pharisees are going to have a problem with that because they see that it's working on the Sabbath. So they bring him in, they bring him in to interrogate him, ultimately. You know, are you 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 were really born blind? You know, how long have you been blind? How did this happen? You know, tell us and all this kind of a thing. And he says, No, I was definitely born blind. They pull, they bring his parents and ask them, You know, was he actually born blind? Answer us, you know, what, what's this all about? Who healed him and all this? And his parents, fearing the Jews and not wanting to be cast out of the synagogue, say, You know. Yeah, this is our son, and he was born blind. But as far as what, how he regained his sight, I don't know. Ask him. He's of age, because they feared the Jews. They wouldn't even defend their own son. Okay, and that will that will be important as we consider what Christ says. Okay, okay. Now, so they're they're asking this this man, you know, how did this happen? And he says, I already told you. You know, do you really do you want to become his disciples too? And they start berating him they say you are a man of sin and you're trying to teach us you know you can be his disciple but we're disciples of Moses and he says oh well that's an interesting thing that's a fascinating thing that you know y'all are disciples of Mo Moses yet this man this man has has healed a blind man from birth he was I've been blind from birth when have we ever seen that when have we ever come across that ever this could only happen if he was sent from God and they cast him out, okay, and then Jesus meets him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe him? in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. That's so fascinating. You have both seen him. In other words, first of all, we're all born blind, okay? So this is to depict our own spiritual blindness. Let's Keep that in mind as we can, as we read what Jesus says. But he asks, but he says, "You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you." In other words, he could have just said, "Well, it's me." But he's saying, "You saw me before I came. You know me. You knew me before I revealed myself to you. You didn't know everything. You know, you were blind. You were still blind. But you were hope. You were hoping, and you knew. You knew somehow God has revealed to you." that I and I, I, I am coming and now I am here. You have both seen him and it is I who speak to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Man regained more than just his physical sight. He got true sight. He received true sight. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Very briefly, many, many now, so their spiritual blindness, right? There, there, there's a sense to which we don't see the things of God. We were born in sin and we don't see the things of God. These Pharisees knew, know the law. They know the law in Christ is before them, always preaching before them, doing these mighty works in front of them. So Christ is saying, you know, if you were blind, you would have no sin. You know, if, if you were absolutely ignorant, you, you wouldn't have any sin. But now you say you see, which is the testimony of every fallen man and woman, which is the testimony of every man and woman. We all think we see. Before we even come to Christ, we all think we know it all. We all, well, we think we generally know it all. You know, we, we think we're so smart. We think we're we think we're just so beyond the times, you know. Now we're we're in this great age of scientific discovery and all the rest, and now we just know everything. Where I mean, admittedly, we don't. We don't even know close to anything regarding our own planet, much less anything out there. Much even less the condition of mankind. Okay, but he's saying, if you were blind. You would have no sin, but you say you see. Therefore, your sin remains. Now, that's when he gives this discourse. Chapter 10, again, verses uh, 1 through 30. Most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. He's telling this to the Pharisees. In other words, you're a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The sheep know his voice. Let's also re- remember that. He will get back into that. But ultimately, the one, only, the sh- only the shepherd comes through the door. Okay, Anybody else is but a thief and a robber. Only one is the shepherd. And when he brings out his... Okay, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will, but will flee from him for they do not the, know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this, used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We will return to that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was division among, again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, there, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was a feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple, in the temple in Solomon's porch, which we've seen. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father one okay all right so at first he's saying he who does not enter again by the by the door is not the shepherd he's just a thief everyone else is here to kill steal and to destroy he is the true shepherd okay and the and his sheep his sheep if you if if you come you know if you study if you look for videos if you go out into the hinterlands and see these shepherds the sheep only follow their shepherd they will not they'll truly run away from another voice they're scared of any anything all sorts of predators roam around trying to kill the sheep trying to eat the sheep i mean they're merely prey they're not predators at all okay now so so um the sheep will only follow the shepherd's the true shepherd's voice so what christ is saying not only do i know my sheep but my sheep know me my sheep can dis- di- distinguish between my voice and another's voice. Loved ones, this is very important. This is essential to recognize. Many within the church, corporate, you know, the church building, so to speak, hear other voices, hear the thieves, hear the robbers, and hear their, and accept their testimony. There is only one shepherd. So the shepherd who's called to tend the flock so to speak, if he is not preaching, 
and he is, if he is not teaching our good shepherd, he is a thief and a robber come to kill, steal, and destroy. Christ has come not only to give you life, not only to bring you life, that you might have it abundantly, eternally. In other words, not just a longer existence. In other words, not just, you know, a, a, a beating pulse and a beating heart for a great number of years until eternity, but abundant life, a full life. We, we don't even know what that is. We get it, again, we get a taste of that. The more we follow Christ, one thing I also want to emphasize, what, and purposefully, I've been talking this whole time about seeking after Christ. And God willing, you have sought Him and you have found Him. Now we follow the Good Shepherd. Now we will not talk as much about seeking, how, except when we talk, talk to those outside of the fold, that Christ is still seeking. Remember, He says, um, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. In other words, we are preaching to them as well. Okay, but, but first, we must tell them to seek the shepherd to come into the fold. But now that we are within the fold, we must follow our good shepherd. We follow him. Okay, we continue to seek him in his word. We follow him in his word, but we follow our Savior. We follow God. Okay, all right. So, Again, he is the good shepherd. Again, he gives us life and more abundantly, he's the good shepherd who gives down, gives his life for the sheep. A hireling, a hireling does not give his life over for the sheep. Again, Paul says to be sacrificial, to be sacrificial for your flock, to tend to the flock at your own expense. So even the minister is not a hireling. He's just an assistant shepherd. Okay, let's put it that way. He's not a hireling. A hireling cares nothing for the sheep. A hireling just cares for his own safety. If a wolf comes in, he takes off. He takes off, which is the testimony of many, again, within church, the corporate church. Again, we will not be perfect. The church will not be perfect this side of the Jordan. However, we need to see where they are wolves and where they are thieves and where there are robbers, where they were, they're coming in to just kill, steal, and destroy. Christ has come to bring us life. That we might have it more abundantly. So antithetical to the world and to these other great sounding preachers who preach peace, peace when there is no peace. So let us recognize that Christ is the good shepherd and let us always tend to his voice and his voice alone. Again, whenever you hear his word preached, go to your Bibles because he is the one good shepherd, he is the true shepherd. So whatever these men say, you know, we're all apt to get something wrong. So seek these things out. And if they are wrong, then go to the minister and tell them. You know, a good faithful shepherd will, will be glad and thank you. And thank you. The men and women of God are humble. So they hear criticism gratefully, not reluctantly. They don't think well, they're just coming down on me, and they just think the worst of myself. Oh no, I messed up again. They're humble, and they mean well. Okay? However, so, the sheep, there's one flock, and there's one shepherd. Our good shepherd lays his life down, but the sheep know his voice. Again, we are not just dumb followers of Christ. We are not just simple, mundane computer chips that God just, you know, what's it called? Um, programs. That wasn't all that difficult a word. Anyway, <laughs> we're not any of those, okay? We are, we are the sheep of his flock meant to follow our shepherd, our, our shepherd, okay? And again, this command he's received from my father. He's, he lays down his life so that he might take it up again, which has been given to him by the father. Okay, let's go to Matthew 25, um, Verses 1, no, 31 through 46, I was going to say. Oh, no, we don't have time for that. All right, uh, 31. Oh, oh, here we go. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. 
All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we not when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you then he will answer them saying surely i say to you inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life again what we must recognize that christ uses metaphors okay so these are somewhat euphemisms however we are called to be servants of God, and insofar as we're servants of God, we do clothe the naked, we care for the sick, we, we, we feed the poor, and so forth. But what Christ is really saying is, and this is for all of us, yes, definitely much more for the ministers. I mean, this one could be specifically just for the ministers, because I was naked and you clothed me. In other words, my sheep hear my voice. All of my brothers and sisters in me are me. Remember, he, he's even said that when, when, when you preach, when you, you testify to me, okay? I am in these people. I am calling you to call those who are mine, okay? But he's saying, he's saying, you clothe me. And then those, the, remember he also says, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. These, on the other hand, Christ will, be, and Christ will say, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. And these servants will say, when did we do that? <laughs> I don't remember ever clothing you. And he says, when, sure, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, in other words, served as Christ to his people and to fallen people, but ultimately Christ sees our works. He sees the, the fruit of our labor and the fruit of our service to him. And he's satisfied. He's glad with that. And he sees it as being done to him, he himself. Same thing is on the reverse, though, insofar as you did not do it to the least of these. And again, to just go back to the preachers, just because we, dis we, we discussed that specifically, these are those who, even the hungry flock, even the true flock who are starving, get no nourishment from these false shepherds. They do not clothe them with anything. They make a lot of pretenses as though, as if they are. They 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 have they go they have all these little cute little devisings to make everything interesting, make everything a show. Feed you nothing of Christ. Feed you nothing of the bread that came from heaven. Feed you no wine which is his blood. None of it. They were they were hungry. They were thirsty. You gave them no food. You gave me no drink. And they who are on my right hand. Remember, in Ezekiel, God says, I will judge the sheep and the sheep. Christ is saying, this is how it's going. This is how it's going to go down. I'll put the goats on my left hand, 
I'll put the sheep on my right hand. Those who are on my left will be condemned into eternal fire because they did not know their Savior. Because they chose not to know their Savior. The people of God, let's, let's make one thing clear real quickly. Fallen men and women, condemned men and women, receive God's ju justice, okay? His judgment, but it ultimately his justice. The people of God receive his grace, receive his unmerited grace. We did nothing to deserve it. Both of us, nobody receives injustice. That's essential to recognize the, the, the fallen men and women that Christ will condemn to hell receive justice. They, they receive the true penalty for their sins and for their hatred of God. The people of God are justified by Christ on the cross. No one receives injustice. Everybody receives justice because God is absolutely just. However, those who are determined to hate him and want nothing to do with him will eternally have nothing to do with him. Those who are his, the sheep who know his voice, his true sheep, his true flock, hear his voice and will follow him to glory. Praise be to God. Again, we do not desire that any man or woman should perish just like Christ, just like God, but all should come to him and have eternal life. Many people belittle this. They think there's no rational evidence for hell. I find there, there is all the rational proof in the world, which we've discussed, is more than mere evidence. Again, these are the same people who, and rightfully so, but, you know, you know have a big problem with the Hitlers of the world. And they're the same ones who say, oh, there's got to be a special place in hell for Hitler. Everybody knows justice. Everybody sees truth. They just hate it. They don't want to think of themselves going to hell. And they'll, they'll, oh, there, there are some who, who defile the name of God. You know, in other words, you know, there's one who has, who's left Christianity because he can't stand the thought of, his family being condemned. You know, he's, he puts, he sets out this image that, you know, he's up in heaven, all alone, and then Christ comes walking by, and it's like, well, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And he gets all mad, and he's like, well, because you sent all my family to hell. Many people fall away from the church because of Christians. I think that is the most foolish and insane thing ever. Christ is our shepherd. What about, who cares what the other sheep do? The sheep can go around eating most of the pasture of the land, you know, and, and treading down the water and making it filthy for us. And the shepherd is still the shepherd. I don't understand. I really don't. I, I mean, all of us will suffer by the hands of a Christian. Christians are still fallen men and women. None of us are perfect. The only perfect one is Christ. I... <laughs> I rebuke that entirely, in fact. If you will leave Christ because of a Christian, you do not hear his voice. You do not know the shepherd. If you are so quick to leave him because of one of the sheep in there says something you don't like, you are not of the flock. His sheep know his voice. All right. Okay, we're going to have to skip to Micah. Chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. This is a prophesy, prophecy specifically about Christ coming to Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose, going forth, whose goings forth are, are of old from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, and the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one 
shall be peace. I know that's in, ver that's in verse 5. So again, what Micah's getting to and what Isaiah has and what all these prophets have, they are linking the Messiah, the Christ to come, to David. Uh, that's how they knew that he was going to come out of Bethlehem. That is the city of David. Interestingly, we don't have any birth narratives regarding David. He was the greatest king of Israel. We've seen that with Samson. We've seen that with Moses. We've seen that with um, uh, Jacob and Esau. We, see, we saw that with Isaac. David did not have a birth narrative. But, this, but, but um, Micah is pointing forward to the coming of the Christ who will be born in Bethlehem. In fact, when Herod's looking for the Christ child and he, and he asks the priests and the scribes, where is he supposed to be born? They, they quote that specific verse. They know that he's going to come out of Bethlehem. And that's why Herod sends to kill all the male children, all the male babies, two years and under. And again, the prophecy of Rachel weeping for her children is fulfilled on that. So, the Lord is my shepherd shall not want. We are going to close in prayer with Psalm 23. But the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I hope we can see more of the imagery now that we've seen some of the prophecies. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because again, that is meant to, to keep them safe, to keep them safe on, to, of the terrain, and to count them, the staff, the rod is to protect them. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of all my enemies. See the fulfillment. See what David is getting at here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. The anointing of Christ is our anointing. We are princes and princesses of the kingdom of God. Dwell on this stuff. Dwell on this. He's not just this meek and mild Christ sent to die and to suffer. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Any splendor that you can imagine, he far surpasses. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I'm not enough for you. You, know, you keep filling me with all your blessings and all of your presence and all of your glory and all of your grace. It's too much. It's so much. I can't contain them. The, the more I, I, I sense them, the more I receive them, the more you keep pouring. That's why I say, follow Christ. The more you follow Christ, the more of a taste of heaven you will taste. The more of the food of heaven, and the more of the bread of heaven you will be fed. So my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the rest of my days. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the rest of my days. I'm meant to call, follow my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, being faithful, full of grace, full of mercy, shall follow me all the rest of my days. He will lead me full of grace and mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, we dwell in his house now. He is the builder of the house. Remember, we talked about that in the book of Hebrews. It talks about, you know, the builder is much better than the house. Christ is the builder. Moses was attendant, you know, attendant of the house. Very important, very important, but no greater than the builder. So we, we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We dwell there now. Christ is our shepherd. His rod and his staff ought to comfort us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want of anything, of anything, even when we're lacking. If we, have, if we are in Christ, what are we lacking? What are we lacking? The bread of heaven. Let's say we have no food before us. 
Let's say we have not a coin to, in our name. We have the treasures of heaven at our disposal, at, at His giving. We are rich beyond measure when we are in Christ. That's why we must, we, the eyes of faith see past this world, see beyond the vanities of this world, where we see these shiny things, where we think that these people are so fantastic. God is glory. Hallelujah. Christ, His Son, is that to whom is full of grace, full of mercy, that follow us, that follows us, leads us all the rest of our days. He will separate. He will judge the righteous. However, He will separate the sheep from the goats. He is our great shepherd. Let us never forget that day will come. That day will come. And you don't enter in by, by bloodline. This is not hereditary. There's only one line of blood that brings you to glory. And that is the blood of Christ. That he has given over to his brothers and sisters. But, should you reject him? Should you seek after these foolish idols? Should you idolize the world? Then you are of the world. You're a goat on the left hand. That's what Christ is saying. Again, go to your Bible. See, the, see if these things are so. Nothing should mean more to us than this. Many people th think that religion is just this superstition that I don't have time to even consider. What a foolish thought that is. Now, I've been there. I was there for a time. But what a blind thing. What a blind thing. A man will set up his house. He'll, he'll spend all of his time to, to accrue many riches. Have yachts without end. All this wonderful stuff. And never consider God. His creator. Life itself. Outside of his own convenience. What a fool's errand that is. This is the one truth that, that saves and is worth pursuing. It's worth seeking. It's worth learning. This is truth. This is reality. That's, what, that's, why, that's why we had that whole series on apologetics. So that we can think these things through. And that we can see beyond the world into glory. And see Christ for who He is. Not this vacuous stuff that we, that we see around us. You know, we'll see, we'll see many depictions of, of the nativity. When the wise men are there. The wise men didn't show up until years later. So we're doing all these things, and we're not even going against, according to the Bible. How does that honor Christ? How does that glorify Christ? How does that manifest His truth to other men and women? How is that going to the ends of the earth and seeking them out? It's just something we do, and we think good. We just think we're awesome about, for it. We think we're doing something worth doing. Many people go through the motions. Many people perform these ceremonies of religion. Many people do these things thinking they're serving God. They're serving themselves. And ultimately, they will be on the left hand. Follow your shepherd. Follow our great shepherd. And we are not in want. Follow our great shepherd to glory. There's one shepherd everybody else who's en who enters in, everybody else who we think is this shepherd, we know his voice. If it is not his voice, they are here to steal, kill, and destroy your souls. Christ has come that you might have a life and have it to the full. To the full. You are always lacking. We are always lacking. The more, we, the more we embrace this world, we are starving and we are broken. Let us seek after the shepherd who came in Bethlehem. So as we see the Christmas story, as we begin to peek in to, the, to, the, to that scene, 
I just recognize angels came to the shepherds for a reason. Okay? Christ is the good shepherd. Let us follow him into glory. Praise God. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. Restores my soul. He leads me down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow, all, follow me all the rest of my days. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, you are a faithful shepherd. You are the true shepherd of the flock. And I pray that you give us ears to hear your voice in your voice alone. Let us flee, hastily flee away from any stranger's voice, for they are here, here to kill us and to destroy us. You give us life, give us truth, and you give us glory in your Son. Father, magnify your truth to us. Set ablaze a fire in our hearts and souls and minds for you, that we may follow you all the rest of our days into glory. It's in your Son's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.